Hello, ski racing fans, and welcome to the American Downhiller Podcast, Season 3, Episode Number 8. I'm two-time Olympian Doug Lewis, and joining me, as always, is World Cup winner Marco Sullivan, world champion Darren Rawls, and world championship medalist AJ Kitt. Today's podcast features two Norwegian legends. First legend, the Olympian Bakken course in Kvitfeld, which will be the next stop on the men's speed circuit, a place where legends are made, including American downhiller Tommy Moe, when he shocked the world with the Olympic gold medal in 1994. The second Norwegian legend is our guest, a two-time Olympic medalist, a two-time world championship medalist, 21-time World Cup winner with nine Super G wins and 12 downhill wins, including Kitzbühel, Vengen, Valgardena, Beaver Creek, Bormio, Garmisch, and this week's course, Kvitfeld. And in 2020, he won the overall globe. Please welcome Alexander Amat Kilda. Alex, where are you? And thanks for being our guest. Hey, guys. Well, I am in Innsbruck right now. I am unfortunately not uh, skiing at the moment, uh, doing my rehab. So living my life in Austria, a little different than normal, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's good to talk with people and do other stuff as well. <laughs> well, we're going to get on to ski racing, but can you give us an update on your injuries from your crash in Vengen? Where do you stand? Yeah, so I did uh, both shoulder surgery and uh, surgery on my calf. I got a big cut there, so it's all been going well. Um, although it, it turned out to be good surgeries and... Uh, the prognoses are are okay, um, but there's a little a little work ahead for sure. Uh, it's a long process. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. But uh, right now, um, I'm just rolling around in my wheelchair and uh, trying to stay positive and do what I can. A lot of therapy, uh, both for the mental health and also for the physical health. So, just trying to get back on my feet. Alex, so with that, uh, say mental health training, are you? Are you watching some ski video? Are you, uh, what kind of things are you doing to specifically kind of strengthen the kind of like that positivity and just um, maybe keep your head head in the right place? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, it was a high impact crash. So for me, that's the first. I've never experienced that before. So just trying to cope with that to, to begin with and talking to the right people, maybe see the crash. I, I, I've just seen the crash plenty of times to just, you know, process it and, and trying to understand what happened. Um, what can I do to avoid it in the future? Uh, and also, you know, just uh, trying to see where I am and what the future is going to bring. Um, and right now it's such an early stage, so it's hard to do much, but just to talk with people about it and, and stay on top of it, I think it's really, really important. I think that's powerful to talk to people about it for sure. And those, those images you shared on social media, like it was, you know, shocking of course, but like, it's really, it shows young racers like this could happen. This is reality in our sport and to like prepare yourself and, and uh, even the best, like you can have those, those crashes. And I know we're not dwelling on it, but we're all just really, fired up that you are okay and that you're moving forward and and uh i don't really have a question in here but i just want to say like stoked that you're you're recovering mm -hmm. and moving forward after a big wreck like that 
Yeah, I think I think you know, me sharing that. I mean, it it just shows how uh, intense and crazy our sport is. You know, the risk about it and the the risk within it. I'm an experienced guy. I've been on the tour for uh, ten years plus, and and know the course. I know the you know the fatigue and everything around it, and it still happened to me. So it's kind of. Um, it just shows the risk and it shows how incredible and also how dangerous my sport is. And I think me sharing those images is uh, is a part of just also sharing how uh, brutal and, and amazing <laughs> amazing our sport can be. But um, I think it's good for people to see that uh, and those images to actually get it live, you know. You've been injured before. What can you take from the earlier rehabs, from the earlier injuries, what can you take positively out of those recoveries into this one? Yeah, okay, so I had an ACL, uh, which is, uh, I mean, that's sort of an, a normal kind of injury for alpine skiers. Um, and I learned a lot from that process. I, you know, the way you eat, the way you stay, try to stay as active as possible. Um, and also the mindset of everything is really important. Uh, just stay positive and take day by day and, and make it as a, as a positive thing, instead of telling yourself it's going to be a hard one, then tell yourself it's going to be a doable one. Uh, and that's what I will also bring into this one, this injury. I feel like this is, this is a more serious one, a longer path and, and a little bit, uh, and secure path. I don't know really where it's gonna take me, but uh, the positive mindset is always the most important thing, and and deal with things you can do something about, and leave everything else behind. I think that's uh, that's what I've experienced as being a, a good thing. Alex, were you always a speed skier? Did you start as a tech skier? Talk us, take us through your junior racing experience mm -hmm. and your mindset. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty much the same path as everyone else, or pretty much everyone else, because you start with Solomon GS, which is the technical disciplines, and then you, because that's the only thing you can do, well, that's availability, and uh, it's less risk, and you don't need a full mountain to do it, so you need one slope, and it's easy, easy to do, and also there's more races, and it's easier to actually race in those disciplines so i started off skiing that and and was uh was actually quite okay in both gs and solemn um and in junior world championships and i don't remember it's a long time ago now <laughs> but uh yeah, that was uh in uh, quebec i won the gs junior world championships so that's that's where kind of my uh, tech history sort of ended, I don't know, or started. It's hard to say because it's that's when I also took that year, I took the step into the World Cup circuit speed because I won some Europe, European Cup um, uh, Super G races. Um, and then being on a team with Axel and Shetil, that was sort of, you know, I had to either choose the tech or the speed, and I, I showed some. Some some good you know speed in in both down and super G at that time. So then we just went full gas for that, and since then that's like 10, 12, 14 years ago. I've been skiing mostly super G and downhill, but my ground technique and everything comes from me skiing 
GS and slalom when I was a, a younger a junior and also in my youth. So it's it's sort of that's where everybody comes from. But I also keep my GS for the technical aspect of it. It's super super important, and I still do. I mean, second place in album is uh, is something that I <laughs> definitely put high on the list because I've always looked at myself as also a GS gear, but um so that was a really really fun day for me honestly yeah hey talk a little bit about the importance of of keeping sharp with the gs because i mean goja right now also is being very fast in gs and she's a been a pure downhiller for a long time and i see you know the same as with you you're working on your gs obviously quite a bit keeping it sharp and and it's beyond that and i mean uh, you know darren as well was a, a downhiller but he always was fast in gs i mean it seems like gs is the the primary uh, discipline for our sport. And mm-hmm. I think staying sharp there is, uh, is something that's probably important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's it's definitely what I said. Like, it's the ground. It's the most important discipline we have. Um, and it's sort of, you know, solemn. It's, I feel like that the distance from solemn to, to Supri and downhill is just too far for it to be, helpful helpful for it like technical wise but i think gs is something where you can build on uh your ground technique and you can also get a lot more repetitions on doing good skiing where you keep your balance you keep your core strength you keep like the the technical aspect in in place um and by that i mean it's it's definitely i think it's super important for everybody to consider keeping on the gs as long as you can and also if you're in world cup i feel like that's you see now with orma you see that with goja kaisa lee is also skiing fast ragnil um also sarasa he's also a great uh, great gs gear so i think it's it's just super important for it to be something you keep in mind because it's also turning in in down in the super these days and and be able to you know, close the line and, and ski a fast turn. I think that's super important these days. And it goes the other way too. I mean, with uh, Michaela's limited amount of like speed skiing, you know, being such a excellent GS skier, tech skier, she can just m- make a few adjustments on the speed side, aerodynamics and lengthening a turn. And look, she's like right in there competing with the best. And mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, like you said, foundation of a good GS turn carries over into speed. You just gotta learn how to go fast. Um, how yeah. about how about um, your focus through the season, like in giant slalom training? I know coming up in a race like out of boat, and you're probably putting a little more time into it after mm-hmm. Bormio. But do you continue even if you're just racing speed for like a couple of weeks in a row. Are you getting out on the GS skis twice a week and or doing a bunch of sessions just to try and stay sharp? Um. I think I think it's just a matter of trying to ski when you have time to ski GS. Uh, and also, it's not always that easy to find good speed training, but it's easier to find good GS training. So when you're capable of doing good GS training, then, then do that rather than having something in speed that's like halfway, uh, like soft and short and not that fast. So it's always for me to just keep in mind that I have to keep it going. Um, but during the season, it's such a hectic period anyway. So when I have time, like before I idle and I got four days of GS, which is great because then 
then I can work on my technique going into it, test some skis and, and work on my setup. And then in the end, it's going to be something that I am ready for. And also you can see that by the re result. And, um, but when I, when I do have, uh, uh, you see that in before Alta Badia, when there's like a week of speed training and speed races, then it's tougher to to cope with the the GS after that. So every time I get a possibility to do some GS, I definitely do uh, train, but it's hard to fit it in the program. But then when you have like in preseason, I do before Sultan, I do only like two weeks only GS training almost because also I know it's really good for my for my speed going through the whole season. Yeah, and like, say during downhill inspection or mornings warming up, are you always on GS skis? I felt like being on GS skis for me was just great to be on for downhill days and, and trying to get a lot of turns in and, and feel like on top of my game, get some good warm up, say in the GS course or even inspection. I never want to be on the downhill skis, just the GS and, and yeah. be comfortable on those. <clears throat> I... <laughs> I don't really like that though. I actually like to stay on my long boards when I'm doing, um, uh, doing the trainings and doing the the races. Uh, it happens that I do, uh, some GS before, let's say, one of the training days. So let's say, uh, but it's uh, it's usually super skis that I'm using, uh, for warm up. But, um. When there's a good GS warm-up course, I'll put the GS skis on and then do some runs, but usually I'm, I'm wearing my super GS skis. American Downhiller is the leader in teaching young ski racers how to go fast, how to learn the skills, and have fun. 2024 will mark the seventh annual American Downhiller Speed Skills Camp in Mammoth Mountain, California. Our speed camp is coached exclusively by current and former World Cup racers and coaches who are passionate about helping the next generation of athletes achieve their dreams. We specifically focus on aerodynamics, jumping techniques, speed tactics, and the mental training required to safely navigate Super G and downhill race courses. If you are a skier who wants to go fast, check out our website, americandownhiller.com for specific camp dates. Hey, Alex, um, when you transitioned to speed, what came naturally for you as a downhiller? What was no problem? And what was the thing that you're always working on to be a downhiller? So what came natural for me, I was, I was sort of a, a tiny guy with good technique. I could, I could do fast turns. So uh, steep hills and, and jumps came pretty natural to me. Um, what I was struggling with was uh, the gliding part. I was it was super hard for me to to let the ski run and let it be smooth on the surface. I always, you know, I I didn't really sit comfortably in position, and I needed to understand like where to to release and where to let it go, and and how to let my ankles just do the work. Uh, so that was the that was a tough part, um, definitely. And that sort of I had to use a lot of time on that and try to just do like sit a lot in position and also that's one of the reasons i'm wearing a lot of long skis on my feet because i feel like that's that's super super important to me to be to be able to feel out how i'm doing and and how it feels when i'm I'm actually racing i had to hold back a laugh when you just said you're a tiny guy 
because <laughs> my eyes, man, you, you're you're a beast. I mean, where those legs come from, you know? Like, I mean, obviously a lot of work. But, but um, no, but I, yeah. I was the tiny guy. I was like I was like 80, 82, 85 kilos when I started skiing World Cup. Hey, and... that was my size, man. <laughs> a little yeah, bigger. Now it's a little bit different. Now it's a little bit different. In your uh, in your prime time, like fighting weight coming into the season, what do you uh, what are you weighing in at? I'm between 95 and 100 kilos. Uh, so uh, match weight, that's probably like 98. That's where I'm usually <laughs> at. <laughs> and um, for GS, it's a little, it's tiny, a little too much. But if I if I have like good setup on my skis and and can work on and I'm strong enough, then then I can also handle the weight. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, so you're cutting weight before Autobone, huh? It worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, the problem is at Christmas time, right? And it's usually good food <laughs> in the Christmas. So it's a, it's a really, really big challenge for me. <laughs> you probably don't know this, Alex, but we did a, a whole podcast on gliding, and we had Manny Osborne on, and he was teaching us how to do the, the Canadian drift, which is a sideways gliding. Exactly, exactly. Dana. Yeah, that's, that's... I should listen to that podcast because... Uh, <laughs> He was, he's probably still the fastest man on flats there is together with Nyman. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely something you guys should listen to, probably. You got to throw Marco Sullivan in that mix, though, and AJ Kitt. <laughs> Those two guys, I looked up to to figure out how to go fast on the flats. And glide hey, if you can go fast sideways, you can go fast straight ahead. That's all I have to say, you know? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, every generation had a few few fast guys on the flats that's for sure hey alex i was wondering uh you know we have a lot of listeners of like parents who are have kids just getting into racing and um when you were a kid like were, did you live close to a ski area were you able to ski a lot or did your family make sacrifices so that you could be a racer or how did that play out for you when you were like i don't know eight eight to ten years old or somewhere in there mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I grew up, I was really lucky with the place I grew up, actually. Um, it's a small, small, really, really small uh, ski area in, uh, it's called Lumedal. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like half an hour from Oslo, but I had actually ski and ski out from my house. So, and that was until we moved when I was 12. Um, we did... A lot of skiing i could just you know come up from school and when the lift opens i could just ski out and down the road and into the into the ski scale you know, in the skier area so it was uh, really special uh and i was just on the hill always just skiing with friends and having a good time and and sometimes i did some training as well but it's it was more actually skiing with my friends that i i really enjoyed and of course when we moved um I hated not having that possibility um, and being close to that hill. So my, my mom and dad, they, they drove me uh, from like, it was like 20, 30 minutes drive uh, each way uh, for practice. And it was almost practice every, every day uh, after that. So they definitely sacrificed something for me to be able to do what I love and, and have fun with my friends. So, I was, uh, I've been lucky for sure. And uh, it's great to also have the opportunity to be skiing in a place that's not really big 
it's it's super small and not that many people so you can just lap it's just a t-bar and you just lap and lap and lap and that's i just love it and yeah i wish everybody could have it like that <laughs> so i was lucky enough to have some mentors on the team when i arrived and then i tried to mentor or pick on aj aj then carried it to marco and to darren talk about being on the team with Svindal and Jansrud, uh, did they pick on you? Did they mentor you? What was that like being a young kid with them? I just remember it being incredible the first the first period. Uh, and always, actually, we had a great time together. Um, but I remember the first camps we had, I was just running around like a Star Trek little boy, you know, and uh, doing whatever they said to me to do and i remember it was uh we were in potillo uh <laughs> and uh that was my first camp and uh, it was going to be a long camp too and i bet all of you have been in, in potillo and skied down the rocket jack and and they always said to me since you're a rookie you have to you have to you have to start first you're like guinea pig in this and i was just like oh my goodness so much pressure right and um of course they knew that i could handle it but i i felt like it was uh it was a lot but it was uh, a great time and uh, they were always really open-minded and wanted me to improve and and they shared some knowledge and and actually just by watching them and looking at what they did every day in and out it was it was a little amazing i mean that's one of the biggest reasons i am where i am today and having the knowledge that i have today so yeah thanks to them it's it's uh definitely been doable for me to win dolly races for sure all right i'd like to uh transfer and transition to kvitfeld but before starting with alex Darren, that was your breakthrough race. That was your first two wins. Talk about Kvitfeld to you, what it feels like. What is that downhill mean to you? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, Kvitfeld was was a big breakthrough for me. Actually, uh, I started off with a fourth place in Super G in 95 behind Ras, our uh, other American ski race. It was third. And um, that just showed me that I, I, I belonged in that top uh, group of guys. I think that was the most powerful sort of feeling, you know, from that result. But I just felt so good on Capitfield's track. I mean, there's a lot of good terrain. I'm like a terrain skier. Grew up in Tahoe, always kind of free skiing, having a good time on the mountain. Um, I want to ski the mountain. And that hill provided it. It was just, uh, it was a feel-good place. You stay up on the mountain at the hotel you ski down like to the, the ski lift and um, you're just in that, you know, ski culture, just that Norwegian lifestyle of like Gilde was just talking about, you know, skiing in and out from his house. I think it just is a feel good place for me. And, and um, you know what, I came off of like two really fun days of skiing pow at home, went right over to um, Norway and, and I was just kind of going for that fun feeling, but like looking for speed and, it was the first time I focused on me. You know, I was always looking at Eberharder and Herman Meyer and Fritz Strobel and all these guys, what they're doing. Um, but I remember that was the biggest standout was, was me focusing on execution and just what I had to do on the, on the hill. And 
it was back-to-back -back wins. It was incredible, you know, and I've always had a special place in my heart for, for uh, being there and, and had a lot of success through the rest of my, my career. But I'd say it's hard not to love that place because of how fun it is to ski it. I definitely echo a lot of Darren's thoughts. Really special place. When you, it, it was always like uh, kind of a decompression time for the racers end of the season or near the end of the season. We were all staying up and on the mountain. Not a lot of fans around. Just it was kind of all the racers in the hotel. Really idyllic spot. And the course was really fun. Um, smooth, big jumps. I've the memory where my personally that stands out was in 2008. Um, I was sitting in fourth in the overall downhill standings and we had two races in Commitfield and I just needed a couple of good races to maybe pass Walkoffer for third. And, uh, I crashed in both races. <laughs> like it was, you know, a place I don't never think of crashing in Commitfield, but I straddled the gate coming onto the traverse after the uh, waterfall jump there on top, like the left footer come onto the flat uh, that's blind. I had straddled that the first day. And the second day I like stumped out in the compression on the bottom and went in the fence. And so it was like those memories, unfortunately, I never had like a great result there. Um, but I love the course and we sometimes got to stay and train afterwards. And it was like such a great spot to, just rip laps on that one lift and have an amazing downhill track to train on. You know, one thing I didn't add was uh, the success of the Americans with Mo and Rass leading up to my, you know, uh, great skiing there. Knowing that, hey, my teammates did really great here. Why can't I? And uh, that kind of gave me the belief that I could contend as well. And I think for Alex, like all the success and Norwegians have had from uh, choose to um, Chetty Andre Almat to Svindal to Kilday. I mean, the Norwegians own that hill, it seemed at, at, at times. And I think for an upcoming racer on the team like Kilday here, that probably gave you a lot of confidence and just knowing, like, hey, one, this is our home turf. We got to own it. But two, you know, our team has done so well here. Like, and I've been, you know, competing with these guys in training that, that kind of gives you a mental boost, you know, and helps you already, like before you even kick out of the starting gate, you feel that same way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Keith Phillips, um, I'm a little biased here though, to be honest, uh, being a Norwegian, the only Norwegian race we have. And um, I grew up skiing in that hill. Uh, we've always had races in that hill and spent a lot of time in Keith Phillips. So that's, uh, it's a place I, I do have a lot of good memories from. And, you know, we're always training there, too, after the season. And doing that hill gives you confidence um, after a while. And and being on a team with Janser and Swindal being super fast there always, you know, that gave me the confidence and gave me the boost that I could also be faster. Um, now I only won the Super E, but I've, I have some podiums from the downhill. And um, I just, I just really, I think it's one of the best uh, downhill World Cup we have because it's this flow, like yeah, you said, Darren, the flow it has, and with the jumps and with the terrain, and it's like a, one of the classics where you ski with the terrain and it's not anything artificial, artificial with it. 
which is amazing and not really something that you experience that much in in our career and and it's also it's it's hard to be fast but it's not really that hard for the mental aspect of it because it's not it's not one of the really dangerous ones and it's the snow is pretty good up there and yeah i just saw i just love skiing it so it's a bummer that i can't be there this year but um yeah I've, i have some great memories from there for sure alex i'm gonna put you on the spot what's your favorite i know the whole thing's fun what's your favorite section to run at kvitfeld and then follow that up with what's the one place you've never hit but you'd like to nail <laughs> So my favorite, my favorite is probably out Vinterhoge, which is called, and then out on the on the Schletta. Uh, so then this part is like it, the flow it has is like with, by the women down and start into that turn, and then you straight into a job jump like a big, pretty big one, and then this long right footer. If you nail that, um, and I've done it once or something, and it's it's a great feeling um and a place that i really need to to nail that i haven't yet it's tommy mo like the tommy world turn <laughs> where he won the won the olympics in 94 that's the turn that's really something special because you um paris dominic paris is usually really fast there and the way he does it he goes super high and then just skis down on it and bring a lot of a lot of speed out on the last flat I tend to go a little too tight and then I get dragged out and then I lose speed and then I'm out in the finish. So it's um it's a place that I need to nail for the next time I'm skiing it for sure to be able to win it. But that's not just line right there, it's anticipation, the move. And it was exactly famous, right. Yeah, the famous like execution that Mo had was that little they call it Mo's hop. <clears throat> you know, we yeah. do you know, and just setting your edge, getting in the right direction, but like pulling the feet up so you don't have any pressure on the skis right on that knuckle and mm -hmm. you just kind of fly low. Yeah, yep. I totally, I totally agree. And uh, that's why he did so incredibly. And that's what pirates usually do, do these days. He just goes super light in and then he goes high and then ski down on it. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a place where, where I need to, just a little bit to be able to win but um it's also one of the the fun turns we have on the tour yeah, you know what's interesting is uh like to me when i watch world cup downhill on the men's and women's side i still i still see not enough anticipation on terrain and i think that's one thing that like it's so important you know like you got to be mm. tuned in to like where the pressure of the you know the turn is depending on on the snow or the you know, the terrain and uh, people get jacked so easy, you know, like steers get jacked so easy when they're not reading the train and really making a good anticipation move. And I think that's kind of where you have to be so on your game at those speeds. Mm -hmm. And with that kind of amount, amount of pressure you could, you could generate at that speed and downhill, that that's kind of where you got to be. I mean, you see the, the ones that do well, execute well, do those kind of moves. We were talking to Koosh mm -hmm. on uh, Kitzbühel and, he saved a little section for race day. I think it was 2012, his last win on the traverse. It was like really kind of like wavy in a section. And he was looking at that on the first day of training saying, you know what, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to lift up and just coast over these like three rollers and come down. There's a perfect spot where I could come down and be really clean and keep that generation mm -hmm. or that trajectory going. 
And he saved it for race day and pulled it off. And it's those little moves, those little anticipation moves are important. I think maybe that's 100%. where you got to focus on next time you're, you're dropping out the roofs, you come out of Moe's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's also cool to see, you know, it's, um, let's take Bryce Bennett as an example in Val Gardena, you know, uh, with his long, long legs, working with the terrain and, you know, always, always working the backside of the, of the rolls. And him being super fast there is no, no secret, but it's it's just fun to see. Like I think that's something you can keep in mind for all the downhills. Uh, also, Quitefell, there's a lot of terrain, so just almost like you see in in ski cross where you have to over overexcited almost the move to be able to bring the speed that you want and and to be super fast because we tend to forget to move because we want to stay in a position so much right and that's that's a, that's how i feel at least that we need to also be able to use our knees and and open up a little more than we think to be able to work on the rolls and terrain to be fast so it's a very good point i think you're spot on so, so does that mean that you uh jump in the, the ski cross courses a little bit in the springtime and, <laughs> and go moto style no, on no, skis no. <laughs> because no. i think it's yep that's another way, a great training element. I think you guys, I mean, ski racers add in their, their, you know, repertoire and just overall mm -hmm. skill set. No, but it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're right, but it's a little bit dangerous, but you, you've experienced that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's dangerous enough to ski alone on a, on a track like that. You really have to learn how to extend those legs and suck them up. And that's where you can like, yeah. glide, which I, I learned was like, mm -hmm. try to generate speed wherever you can. You know, exactly. The downhill camps in in Mammoth, we have these big wave tracks, and they're like mm. it's nothing you're ever gonna see in a in a ski race. But you figure out how to keep your skis connected to the snow and how to really press in the bottom so you can suck up your legs and get over the over that kind of terrain. Mm. I think it's such a good skill set to have, and plus it's damn fun, you know. And any yeah, yeah. like head to head action, it gets a little crazy. Doug Lewis here. If you are a U12, U14, or U16, Elite Team Fitness Camps are for you. This is not your average fitness camp as we teach the vital skills of sports psychology and sports nutrition along with tough, challenging workouts. You will leave camp with more power, strength, and agility, with a deeper understanding about nutrition, and with the mental skills of confidence, focus, and pushing limits, which will take you to the next level. Over our 30 years, we have coached Olympic champions, World Cup stars, NCAA champions, including US ski teamers, Michaela Schifrin, Lauren Masuga, Alice Merriweather, Jimmy Krupka, Grace Henderson, and Sammy Worthington. And finally, although we push our limits to the edge, we have a ton of fun. We are holding two week-long sessions this July at the Killington Mountain School. Find all the info at EliteTeam.com. We're talking about terrain. Let's move it to inspection. I know Darren took a long time. I was the guy that took all inspection. I was looking inch to inch, snow, terrain, gates, line. What kind of an uh, inspection did you do? And did you memorize every foot, Alex? Or did you memorize sections or just had a couple things in mind? What was your inspection routine and visualization? Um, the downhills, I feel like I, I tried to look at an overview picture of the whole thing uh, when it comes to snow conditions, the terrain um anticipate the speed anticipate like how far things are going uh the line i feel like i have pretty much um set already um but of course 
you have to adjust your line compared to the speed. So the first training, I always do pretty slow and try to figure things out and do good analysis. And then the next ones, I sort of, I run it through so much during the night that I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm pretty ready and, and I know what's coming. So then I'm just going through it with the sort of not high speed, but uh, but the constant speed so I can sort of feel out the terrain a little bit on my foot and stuff. So I'm not using that much time on it, actually, um, especially in downhill. And in Super G, then it's more, then I use a lot of time because then, you know, it's it's a new track. It's the roles are different the speed is different so then you have to and you also have one chance to be able to to figure out something to be the fastest so that's where i'm using the most the most time and try to just be really really concrete with what i need to do and where i am and and all of that so it's a little different from downhill to super G for sure you just mentioned super g i almost forgot like how dominant you and Shettle and Axel were in Super G in that big block. You know, forget the exact years, but like you guys were, you know, Norway was so <laughs> dominant in Super G. But you think that was, is that a matter of pride with you guys that when a Super G was on the schedule, like one of you mm -hmm. was going to win? <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, the confidence we probably brought into those races. And I think we had a really, really good setup with with analysis and, and preparation into the race. And we knew that we were fast, so we could go in there and, and maybe risk a little bit more than others. So then we were able to win those races with just you know risking that little extra. Um, and if not all of us succeed, we had at least one of us. So the plan always worked. And that plan we could bring into the next races and, and knowing that what we do and the preparation we do is is best in the world. And uh, yeah, we had that for, for a long time and got to just bring it back again, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Alex, you, you had a pretty interesting history in, in Super G on the World Cup where you can't, I can't remember if you just came out of the blue or you had a pretty solid season coming up, but all of a sudden you won the Super G Globe. And then next year, you weren't there and then you came back another year and then bam, you won it again. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, it is very yeah. tough for the consistency and that kind of um, event because, you know, the high speeds, a lot of terrain, you have one, one inspection. Mm -hmm. So it's super difficult to put together, but it seemed like you're so on fire for a year. And then like, I'm not, not sure what happened, you know, but then all of a sudden you're back and maybe it's a shout out and I'll throw it to like Thomas Burglar right now yeah yeah who, who we sure, shared, yeah, definitely. Who, who we shared a lot of uh great times <laughs> with on uh, my career he mm -hmm. made a huge difference for me and and increased my competitiveness competitiveness in in gs mm. but also mm. in speed but um like was there sort of like a something wrong with mindset or physically like what happened that one year in between and then all of a sudden you're back on your game yeah so i had a couple of years where i um skid super fast in, in Super E and I won the globe in 2016. I got third uh after Shetil and Reichelt in 17. Uh and then I changed equipment. I changed ahead. Um uh no offense to head, but that just didn't didn't fit me um personally. And I struggled for a couple seasons. I had some good races, but that was like 
I think it was two podiums, one victory, uh, and one third place, uh, but not really consistency at all. I was really up and down and was struggling to find the confidence and to find my yeah inner peace with it. It was just like I always tried to search for for better speed and and try to work with the equipment and the boots and the skis and it just just didn't fit me that well. So changed back to Atomic. Uh, got a great service man in Thomas Burglar, and then we're back. And um, since then, it's been way more consistent. I've been able to be top five in almost all the races, and um, been fighting for the globe since then. And that's uh, that's how you see also how important it is to be willing to to try and fail, and then. If it doesn't work, then you can always go back to something that worked before, um, and that's what that's what I did, and and I kept working also on my skiing during that period. So I got better. I got a my the athlete perspective of it. I got better. I developed. Maybe that was a good thing for my for me to ski really fast again when I changed back to something that I knew worked. It's been interesting hearing uh, from our downhillers. Do they watch the television at the start of the race? What kind of course reports? Darren, I know, didn't like to watch the TV. At the start, do you watch a couple racers on TV? Do you then go to your coach's report or do you like the athlete's report? Tell us about how you take information at the start. <laughs> I try I try to just take as much as information I can and then sort it out kind of. Um because during the inspection I, I make myself a plan. I know if I have a good day, I know exactly what I need to do. And then I actually don't need to look at the TV or I don't need any information more than I already have. But it's also really hard to hit that and sometimes it's just uh, good to know if there's parts of the course that's really tricky. So then I listen to the course report from the coaches. If one of my teammates went down, then it's very nice to hear from them to just really listen to how they felt. And if it felt like it was super fast or there's a tricky key point, then of course I'll listen to that too. And then I watch a couple of guys on TV just to see if it's, if it's, skiable <laughs> uh, but I'm not really changing anything when I'm looking at it unless there's like a really really tricky gate or long jump or but um, yeah I'm, really, I'm I'm confident in my plan and I also know that I, if I need to ski fast I need to have a good plan and I need to follow it or else it's not going to be fast anyways Wend produces a sophisticated line of ski and snowboard waxes for use by skiers, riders, racers, and shops. The current WEND snow wax formulations have come from over 50 years of progressive blend reformulation and on-slope and in-lab testing. This has been in conjunction with the feedback of some of the world's top ski and snowboard athletes. Athletes who know real speed, like Kitzbühel champ Darren Rolfs and 2019 Birds of Prey GS champion Tommy Ford. WEND no longer sells any products containing fluorocarbon compounds and instead utilizes natural, plant-derived and or biodegradable additives that substantially increase the overall eco-friendliness of the WEND Snow Wax product line. 
Give Wend a follow on Instagram at Wend Waxworks and purchase your Wend products at wendperformance.com. Hey, what do you say to yourself in the gate before you're about to kick out? Like, you ready to cross oh. this thing or what? Or is there, <laughs> what? What do you do to, like, get yourself, like, mentally, like, just, just so you can throw down 100%? I just tell myself that I... I got this. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at it and just like always focus on the first three gates. That's where I start because it gets overwhelming if I try to think about anything else. So it's always just focusing really hard on the first three gates and controlling my breath uh, and my nervous nervousness. That's like yeah. uh, that's what I'm trying to work with at, the, at that moment, uh, and then. Just bring the intensity out of start. That's what I usually think about. Just like 100%, no matter where we are, just 100% to the first gate and then take it from there. And then it so kind of are, comes are, in natural. You're saying to yourself, like, ski like a boss. Ski like a boss. <laughs> yeah, ski, ski like, like a, a boss. boss, exactly. Ski <laughs> like a boss, that's what I'm doing. It was rad. Yeah, I was, you know, in the Kitzbühel start um, last week, pretty much, uh, there's a big, you know, a big sign that says, ski like a boss. Exactly. as you're like entering the stargate and looking over the left they got a photo of you you know with your win from last year it's cool because <laughs> you have all the winners there on in the inside of the start house but i'm like mm -hmm. yep kill they did ski like a boss here and that's what you gotta do you have to, you have to have that confidence in yourself to go all mm -hmm. out and that was super impressive um with how sarah zam skied i mean obviously marco Odomot's bringing it every every uh race as well but you have to have that mentality. And, um, you know, for me, it was mm -hmm. like, like you said, believe in yourself and just basically like, I'm going to crush this thing. Like, let's come out here and try and own it. But mm -hmm. I like that new one. Yeah. Ski like a boss. That was good. Yeah. Ski like a boss is a good one. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, it speaks for itself. You know, it's, uh, it's about just owning it. I, the most fun part I thought, like Alex kind of explained was as you jump in, I've, I've forgotten all the names at this point, but past the women start there and, and the right left over the jump and coming out onto the flats if you that was just a really fun start to a course and the rest of it flowed so well um but yeah i'd love to hear if alex has any any secrets to that upper section yeah so you have uh, the start you know that's um it's sort of it looks pretty steep on tv but it's actually really flat because it is, is this roll there so we need to bring that speed over that roll and then into this I'd say 180 degrees almost turn, which is like I think one of the toughest, <laughs> one of the toughest turns on tour because the timing of it is super hard, and sometimes you have you have guys that goes in and just like hammers and goes super clean. Um, and I'm talking about the oil turn. That's what it's called. Um, so this one is is probably it's like really hard for the timing aspect of it to come in there and and find outside ski and then work with it through it and bring bring that speed into the to the part where you were mentioning now marco uh where it's like down to the women start into Vinterhoge, this jump and then the next turn again is one of the key turns too where you bring the speed all the way out of the long flat and then maybe you, Darren, could take the next part where it's like into the S and and down in the in the lower section. Yeah, sure. Uh, off that one jump, you're you have that wall next to you on the left side. You know, mm -hmm. as you go by the alternate start, or is that the women's downhill start right there? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that to me was, was a really like highly focused spot for me because you do have all this like length coming up, uh, moving on the flats and the Rusi jump. But I remember like uh, one of my sweetest turns ever was after that left footer, a long left footer after the jump. And then that next right foot, just laying it over. I just want to be so stacked and strong and generating speed. And there's a fun, like little, like in your transition, like a little double there was back in the day. And to me, it's like gent like going back to like that ski cross talk, you know, where you're generating like that power and like using that extra speed acceleration, doing your switch and land on that, on the backside of the next roll. Um, it was so key to be super clean and, and have really good aerodynamics. And I think that, um, there's a fine point of how much you're pushing on the skis to how like easy you're on the edge angle to like generate speed into the, uh, the Rusi jump. And obviously that jump was just like a diving board. We call it, you know, cause you're just going straight out. You see nothing but sky and it's a big flight and um, trying to be as like compact and, and well-balanced as possible off that jump because you're fighting for every ounce of speed, you know, through Rusi and, down mm-hmm. the compression and Mo's hop. And I think the best turn on that whole track is after Mo's hop, that long left foot traverse and that next right foot where you come into the bottom of the super D track. I remember just pounding that turn sometimes. Nice turn. One downhill where I just basically took this turn like a GS turn, like we we're talking about before, trying to close the line down. Mm-hmm. And that was like to me a standout turn in my career, where it was like there I had a couple of races there where it's just I could come through that turn and rip it like a, uh, you know, a tight super D turn and just hammering that gate. It felt so damn good. <laughs> that, yeah, that was, a, that was a highlight, but every it's like in downhill to me, I kind of use these like sections, what, what I want to do here. And if I did it well, it would give me a little extra boost. It's like these little wins on the way down the, the course. And I think that's kind of, in a way you still got to keep it fun. I mean, ski racing is, mm. is a beater, you know, on the mind and, and um, if things aren't going well, but that's to me, like I try to like section these courses, even in GS, where if I did something really well, it was like a little win there and it, it was fun. You know, it's just like I had that element of fun in, in my skiing and, and um, that's kind of what fires you up a little more and brings more intensity and, and makes ski racing what it is, but. Yeah, maybe Marco, take it from there after that, um, like where you connect into the super yeah, after After the S turns, then you got that long left foot kind of traverse where there's a blind roll in there, a little air, and then you come into the compression, right? The, they call it the compression term. Or some, some years, I remember there's jumping off the road into the big long right mm-hmm. foot compression. It was like you'd catch air and it was a bit sketchy of where you landed. If you went too deep, you know, you'd kind of get bottomed out in that compression some years you if there wasn't much air it was fairly easy to nail the line and just have that big long triple around the corner then coming into the the left foot yes i I always felt like coming well guys would make so much time coming out of the tommy mo turn you know onto the right coming over the last jump there was so much time to be had there on that line it was kind of never that obvious i felt but if you nailed those turns and carried speed coming down that last pitch on the flat, guys would really pull back a lot of time there. 100%. That's where 
Paris usually wins the race when he's <laughs> skiing, skiing there. I think he has two or three victories in the Kutfell, and and the way he does it is always down there. He's just going, you know, quick switch, and then he does, he just brings it into the left and down the flat, and is just sending it in the bottom. <laughs> that, that Tommy Mo was super key to me. You know, I um I I forgot he left his name all over the track, so I didn't know it was called the Tommy Mo turn, but. That did big, we call it basically that wall turn at Talladega, and then you roll in. And that is right there how much confidence you have in your skiing to be able to roll mm. in strong on the top of the turn, and not give up anything, right? That left footer. Mm. Yeah. Don't come in and slide the turn. I mean, it's pretty, it's blind. It's like the, the train is like a bank and that rolls yeah. off. So you have to it's be. Pretty fat, fat, it's pretty fast in there too. So the transition yeah, is like going speed. from a long, long right footer. You got to be patient and then you just got to find the moment to just quickly switch and then go like anticipate and just go for it into it. Super clean. Yeah. And I think that's right there is like, I love seeing challenging sections for the best to separate themselves. A lot mm. of guys would come in there, be a little intimidated, stand up, maybe slide the top of the turn to keep it safe. But there is speed. I know you don't, but, um, there's no, that's like then you know, then you know, then you're out, <laughs> and then because then you lose a lot of speed at the bottom. Yeah, there's there's speed to be made there, and then if you rip that left footer, you can get back to a good aerodynamic position so quick. I think just having that like body position change up to like this, you know, instead mm -hmm. of opened up, it generates so much more speed going in the last jump, and I think that's where I kind of committed myself to like no matter what happens that turn fight for aerodynamics because a little bit of gain right there is going to be like taking you all the way to the finish line. And that that's where Dominic does such a, a good job too, you know, executing that turn and, and like getting a good uh, aero position there and, and yeah. hammer to the bottom. And it's super high speed I think, to finish there as well. With those rollers. Yeah. yeah. I think just in general, I think it's is one of the cars or one of the downhills where you have to always start your downhill position yeah. um because it's it's one of the easier ones i know i said that earlier but it's it's one of the easier ones and you need to just understand that you need to just fight for your tuck all the way down if you've ever dreamed of going to vengen or kitzbühel to watch the classic world cup downhills the adl ski club is for you their small group trips are geared for passionate skiers and big race fans they take you to the heart of ski racing's biggest races at the Laberhorn, Honenkamp, and Schladming Night Slalom. Our own AJ Kidd has been on both the Vengen and Kitzbühel trips. The ADL has a ton of special access passes to the races, parties, and athletes which make the Ski World Cup unique among all professional sports. Now is the perfect time to get your name on the list for this year's Vengen Laberhorn trip or next year's Kids trip. Visit ADL Ski Club, that's ADLSkiClub.com and reach out to them to secure your spot. I want to do predictions for the Kvitfeld race. I know it's uh, pretty far away. Who wants to start with the top three predictions for Kvitfeld? I can start, but I always get in trouble. <laughs> okay, you start. Come on, right. let's go. Marco always likes to claim this. I said it first. All right, so I'm going <laughs> to go with the Canadian Crawford who's had some success there. I'm going to go with Sarazin because he's on fire, but I got to, because we have Alex, I'm going to put a Norwegian on third, 
Sawyerstead, if that's the way you pronounce his name, he's going to get third and represent you on the podium. Those are my three. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll go for uh, – I love love picking an American on top. So RCS has been skiing well. Going to keep him rolling for the win. We've been talking a lot about Dominic, so him for second. And I will marry you with the Norwegian, Sergestead, <laughs> on the last step of the podium. I'm not picking anybody. I'm just saying that uh, – I just want to see a good race go down and it'd be awesome to see American and Norwegian on the podium. Sounds great. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a cool one. So it's going to be, um, I think Goldie, it's going to be fast. Let's bring Gold, Goldberg uh, on the podium as a third. And then Adrian's going to be second. And then I think maybe Cameron's going to win. Alexander Cameron. That's uh, I know that's a ballsy uh, <laughs> statement, but uh, it might happen. He He's was on the podium four. last year, wasn't he? I think he actually won one of the races, right? I think he, he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah has won, won the first time we had there. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thanks, Alex, for spending time with us and heal fast. And we hope to see you come back tougher, stronger, fitter, and faster. Really enjoyed your input and your thoughts. Thank you. Mm -hmm. hey alex thanks a lot for being on the show man it's great to meet you and, Thank and you, uh, Jay. share your knowledge and experience cool. with us thanks for having me guys thanks yeah. keep the recovering up and uh yeah we're sending good vibes your way alex so thanks again for uh joining us it's awesome and say hello to the crew over there in austria will do thanks guys really appreciate it thanks for listening to our american downhiller podcast Special thanks to Alex Kilday, one of the greatest ski racers of all time and one who is going through a tough recovery from a nasty injury. We hope he fully recovers and is able to continue his amazing career on the snow at high speeds. Please spread the word about our podcast. Share with your friends, coaches, teammates, and club. You'll find us either on Spotify or Apple. And thanks to our American Downhiller sponsors, SkiRacing.com, ADL Ski Club, When Wax, Elite Team Fitness Programs, and American Downhiller Camps. Stay tuned for more American Downhiller podcasts. For AJ, Darren, and Marco, thanks for listening.